welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Shaver, joined by Michael Bruns, Brian Christofferson here on Monday afternoon. Matt Rule spoke a little bit earlier today. We'll dive into some of those comments. But before we get there, wanted to give Bruns and BC a chance to go over Saturday's game against Maryland. Uh, I don't know if we've had any rewatches. I don't know. Um, Bruns has been very busy with the Royal Rumble, so it's hard to know where his head is at. If you hear the Ultimate Warrior or Tanaka or you know anything like that, you know, just know that he's kind of hard for him to to move off of these things when he goes down the rabbit hole. So just be aware of that. Uh, so we'll start there, Brunt. What uh, what's your biggest takeaway now? Seventy two hours or so since Nebraska's lost to Maryland. 48 hours. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to ask me what my biggest takeaway was from the 1992 Royal Rumble, which I can also give you five thoughts on. But um, I Can think, you give us one real quickly? Sell us on why was, we need to rewatch the 92 Royal Rumble. Well, 92 was when, spoiler alert, Ric Flair goes pretty much the distance and gets named World Heavyweight Champion after winning that. So that was a bit, that was a monumental one. Um, it ends with a kind of a double cross of, Sid Vicious and uh, Hulk Hogan, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I think, I think my biggest takeaway is that it was just a, a really big missed opportunity. I mean, it, you you came in, you played relatively good defense against a, a decent Maryland offense. I mean, I I, I think Tagovailoa is probably the best quarterback that they've seen. I mean, since. Shadur Sanders, is that fair? Like with with all apologies to J- to McCarthy, like yeah. Um. So I don't know. I mean, I, I it just was such a missed opportunity, and everything everything was just so self inflicted. I mean, it it uh, that's the maddening part right now is, you know, if, if with just average quarterback play, Nebraska would have probably three more wins right now, and you know, you're probably booking tickets to Indy with the way that, that the Big Ten West has been. So just, uh, you know, I, I think it's part of the – what I've kind of come to is that it's part of the growing process. I don't think that this this program's, you know, improvement is going to be linear under Matt Rule by any means. And it's just unfortunate that, you know, that they've shown progress on a lot of positions. It just so happens that probably the most important position on the field is where they've struggled the most. And Yada yada yada. That's how you throw. You turn the ball over five times and lose thirteen ten. BC, what about you? What's your biggest takeaway now? Forty eight hours later. Yeah, it's the QBs. Bruns nailed it. I mean, the the thing about that though, kind of piggybacking off his comments, was when Sims came in the game. I actually thought for five or six plays, like there might be a redemption arc here. Didn't you kind of feel that? Like oh, that yeah. first drive, like it, he looked. He looked confident, looked good. Um, you're like, okay, we'd seen Jeff Sims those first two weeks, and it, obviously it just went off the rails, but um, he's had some time to kind of clear his head, and and this could be the good Jeff Sims, maybe to finish this thing out. And that fourth and two fail on the 27-yard line when uh, the play just got blown up, and Sims ended up losing like eight yards. That that was just like one of those just critical spots, I thought. Like it for him personally – and for the offense as a whole, I kind of agree with Matt Rule. It's weird. They score 10 points, but he said today was the best game the O-line has played. He said by far. Um, I don't know if by far or not, but they, they see the tape better than I do. And I actually did think the O-line played pretty well 
a lot of the times they didn't turn the ball over five times. Um, so yeah, the quarterback part is just really discouraging. And, um, you know, obviously the, everybody's had their take on the late, you know, you know, third and goal situation. I personally, because not, not because I don't think, um, you should just, you know, sit on the ball, but with Chubba Purdy sort of unfamiliar with the receivers, I was sort of fine with just getting three points there. I was thinking it in real time. And so I had no problem writing afterward that that's what I thought, because I honestly thought in real time, like, just get three points here, please, you know, and then, and then let's see what this defense can do. So I did think Matt rule as he does really well, and we'll get to this, I'm sure more, but in the Monday press conference, it defended the reason though, why you're throwing on third and goal at the seven. Now people would push back like, yeah, but you had your third quarterback in, he doesn't, hadn't got much work, but he's basically saying at some point, if you want to be a great team, you got to let guys go and play a little bit. And, you know, they didn't think it was the riskiest, um, you know, proposition there to, uh, to throw the ball on the play they had called. But I, I would say every time they're throwing the ball, it feels pretty risky to me right now. Yeah, I don't know. I would imagine that you know what you have out there at quarterback. It should be at least some risk in your mind um, as they go into that. We'll we'll save some of the rule stuff yeah. for a little bit later in the in the podcast. I do want to kind of get into the offensive line thing because um, I noticed early in the game. I think I said to I said to Brunts. I know I put it on our on our uh, game thread in our message board, but it it seemed like Nebraska was controlling the line of scrimmage on both sides. Really, you know, you come off of that Michigan State game where it felt like Michigan State's line sort of did that to Nebraska early in the game. Felt like early in the game and then sort of throughout, Nebraska, both of their line play, you know, defense, offensive line, was probably the best combined game that I could think of uh, for what they've done up front. And it is a little disappointing that they weren't able to utilize that more i guess um in terms of of moving the ball down the field but so much of it just has to do with just the disjointed nature of the offense the multiple quarterbacks the turnovers but yeah i i too thought that the offensive line um you know was firing off the ball and really kind of handling uh maryland's front for the most part i don't i really don't recall and and i don't know if, if either of you had rewatched it yet I don't recall on either of the Jeff Sims interceptions if he was even really facing much pressure in those situations or if it was just like he was throwing uh, to somewhere on the field that he thought the receiver was going to be just, you know, well in advance. I don't I don't really recall a ton of pressure on the quarterbacks um, throughout Saturday's game. Yeah, well, and especially, I mean, consider what the offensive line is having to deal with. I mean, you're to borrow a, a favorite metaphor of Greg Austin, I mean, they're, they're coming over the walls on every play. I mean, you're getting run blitzed like crazy. Um, you know, you, you don't really have much that's causing the defense to be concerned on the back end. So you're, you're dealing with a bunch of different looks. Um, you know, I thought, I thought Maryland was a little, uh, they got a little stunty. I thought Nebraska handled that pretty well. Um, I, I'd agree with, pretty much everybody that I thought that was, that was a game that they held up pretty well. I, I'm trying to remember the, the Sims pick that he threw Billy Kemp was the intended receiver. Um, it, there was maybe he felt pressure. I don't know how much pressure there actually was. I mean, it was, he's thrown a couple of those 
picks on route that similar route where you've got Kemp going to the corner and it uh it just doesn't look good but I, I thought they played well Teddy Perlhowska seems to have settled in uh Brian asked today about Justin Evans Jenkins I think he's playing relatively well I mean you've got a center playing on a bad MCL I think everything considered you've got a, a pretty good line out there right now that that you should feel okay about moving the ball behind yeah I I do think that we're pretty much seeing Teddy Prohaska kind of take the uh, the left tackle position and kind of make it his for the foreseeable future, which is nice. I mean, that's what you you would hope would sort of come out of the the Turner Corcoran injury. I think the rust is is largely gone, and there's still a lot to work on, but it's it's certainly better than what it looked like early in the season when he came in. Um, uh, before we again, before we get to rule defensively, what what sort of stood out for you guys? Um, I, I, I thought they, I mean, when you hold a team to 13 points, um, like Maryland with their type of offense, I thought, um, they played pretty well. Now, obviously the last series of the game is one that is, you know, discouraging because they're such a solid defense to give up, I think a 21 yard run on that play. And they had their first penalty in like two games suddenly on the pass interference, um, so that, that was tough to take and kind of leaves a bitter taste in your mouth, but I liked how aggressive Tony white was. And I mean, they took the ball away three times. They, they tried to bail out their offense over and over again in that game. So I'm not going to pick on them too hard. I know Hartsog got beat on the long ball rule today, pointed out Hartsog had been injured, um, up until Friday and just started practicing and kind of got thrown out there. And, and so, you know, you got to keep that stuff in mind, but, um, I give them like a B great i mean i thought they were okay they would couldn't finish it when you wanted it but at some point you got to ask for something a little bit more from your offense you know than, than they got is it is it a concern to you guys at all with all of the injuries nebraska has everyone's hurt i mean heart coming back from an injury you lose newsome for the game you I mean, we, we know the offense is a whole is just a total mash unit like it just seems um I don't know if this is like a thing that is going to always happen or if it's a product of, of the way they've been practicing or what it is, but it just, and I, I get you're in late November and this tends to happen but still. It just seems like there are more injuries this year than any other year I can remember. I think I'd be yeah. more concerned if it was like soft tissue stuff. Like yeah. it's a lot of it's like knees and, you know, like I limbs, mean, various limbs. Like Turner or Turner Corcoran gets his foot stepped on and he's done. I mean, Ethan Piper gets his knee shredded when somebody rolls over him. I mean, I think a lot of those, a lot of the types of injuries that they've they've taken on this year have been the kind where it's like there's only so much you can do. I mean, Marcus Washington's was kind of the same way where he's blocking a guy and his foot foot gets caught. You know, um, it, it's not like the what was it, 2015, when it was like everybody seemed like they had hamstring issues. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's the the run of luck has not been good. But I don't I don't know if it's a huge concern given the type of injuries they are. Maybe maybe I just haven't gotten to uh, to that lesson in my med school yet. So more of a fluke for you than like a thing well, that you feels, consider to be recurring. It feels that way. That I'm. I will say this. I mean, they've had guys, more guys than I can remember going in the concussion protocol. I mean, and, and that might be a little bit more due to the way they're practicing. I don't know, but um, yeah, I mean, I, and I think that they've, they've said they're willing to accept those kinds of losses 
um, to injury to, to practice the way that they're going to practice. BC, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with Bronze that it's um, some of it's a bit flukish. Um, and they're, they're not going to, the bottom line is they're not going to back off the way they're doing things. And that that's the biggest takeaway we can get to on the other side of this thing with rule today is he's got a day by day process that he believes in with the staff he believes in and the way they do things. And um, they are not going to deviate from that just because of, um, you know, a, a couple three point losses, even as discouraging as they are in the moment. And so I think that goes to the way they practice and all that stuff. So I, I, I expect them to, uh, to hold pace the way, with, uh, with what they're doing and, and believe that the payoff is going to come in the long run. All right. BC has been itching to get to the other side of this podcast. So we're going to take a quick yeah, break yeah. and then like we that. are going to, we're going to come back. We're going to dive into Matt rules comments. We're going to get into quarterbacks. We're going to get into all of it when we return here on the Husker 24-7 podcast. So Matt Rule spoke on Monday as he does every week this season, and it was uh, reflective as it often is, and he kind of went into that third down play call with with Chubba Purdy. BC mentioned it earlier in the podcast. He, he felt like they had an opportunity to make a play. He also said something that uh, – that occurred there too. I mean, they just didn't, the receivers didn't run good routes. I mean, it was not, it was not a well executed play at nearly any portion of it, maybe besides the offensive line. So uh, do you want to add any more color to that BC? No, I think you nailed it. I mean, he said, he said it falls on him. Um, any, any like specific setback within a game, he has enough of a say on it, whether it's good or bad that bring it back to him. Um, so the bad part is like that third down call, which stands out more in a game like this, a good example of him being involved, um, in everything is the fake punt that they ran to success in the first quarter. So, um, I mean, the biggest takeaway is that, um, he, he was flat on the record. Cause I know there's, we just got to address what people are talking about. It's Marcus Satterfield was a big topic on our board and everywhere after the game, and uh, he said, what, are we going to start with a brand new offense next year, um, you know, and do that start all over on page one? Um, it'd be ridiculous was basically the quote there. So um, if anybody wanted an answer or was like thinking ahead to what that conversation is going to be like in a few weeks, um, there isn't a conversation. It doesn't seem like as far as far as that goes. So, I mean, it, it was a newsworthy press conference in a way how you got we got to some of that stuff. Yeah, I I mean, I wasn't anticipating he was going to be making a change after the season. I I don't know that they're viewing what's happening with their offense this year as anything more than just trying to survive all of the aforementioned injuries. And, yeah. Uh, you know, clearly their own choice with quarterback hasn't worked as they've wanted. Uh, but I don't – I never anticipated that Marcus Satterfield would not be part of the 2024 coaching staff. So, um I, I don't know that he, I don't know that it was phrased as just like a hundred percent guaranteed that he's going to be here, but it was pretty much just shy of that. So uh, that was indeed interesting. Brunson, what stood out to you from rule today? Well, I mean the the quarterback stuff overall, I think, is a you know a topic of conversation. It has to be. I mean, you you turn the ball over twelve times and. Your, your three three-point losses, 11 of them on the quarterback's tab. 
um, that, that's got to be a part of the conversation. And, you know, this week going into Wisconsin, you've got Heinrich Harburg with, a, you know, a, a pretty what Matt, had Matt Rule said, Brian, a pretty good um, ankle sprain. So I would I would put him at probably doubtful um, for the week. But, you know, you, your, your other options are Chubba Purdy, who has banged up a little bit and has had. Uh, kind of an ongoing, lingering, groin issue most of the season. And Jeff Sims, who he pulled uh, in the second half of that game because he turned the ball over on back-to-back plays. So it's a, it's a tough uh, tough place to be. But I think, you know, it, it's an important conversation about, you know, that a couple weeks ago they really drilled in on the running back fumbles and how you address those those turnovers. And they feel like they, you know, did a good job of kind of coaching that. And now it's like, okay – we know the interceptions are a problem. What do we do to try to rectify that? I, I think that's a little bit more of a heavy lift uh, over the last two weeks to make that picture look better. But, you know, I, I think, you know, Matt Rule's point was, is they're going to continue to get incrementally better. They're going to try to coach it where they can. And, you know, he even said, you know, I don't have an answer right now. Um, and, and they're just kind of hoping that, you know, through continuing to work on it, that it gets better. Um, it, it has to be because, you know, the, these two teams that Nebraska faces over the last two weeks are, are pretty uh, inept offensively, just like Nebraska is, but they've got defenses that are good enough to make you pay for turnovers. So that's, that's where it stands now, but the quarterback conversation, and it was a lot of the, a lot of the time was spent on quarterbacks. I thought was pretty interesting. Well, and I think that's just the central part of the conversation. I mean, you, you sent a text on Saturday night essentially saying watching college football elsewhere, it's somewhat remarkable that Nebraska has three different guys that have now started multiple power five games and none of them on Saturday, uh, you know, Chubba, we didn't see enough to really say, but that pass will last a lifetime. Um, none of them particularly look good. None of them look like they could run a power five offense at times. Like I, how does Nebraska how does a team end in this situation? I guess like it's we've watched bad quarterback play in, in Lincoln before we've seen uh, teams that have struggled to move the ball. I don't know that I've ever seen it where you had three quarterbacks turn it over five times collectively and every single interception was forced into double coverage. Like they weren't even good throw good decisions. They weren't tip balls getting knocked into the sky and someone running underneath of them. Um, they were just terrible decisions in the moment and they paid heavily for it. Like I, it's, it has to be baffling to try to coach this too, because it's, you know, I don't know what Jeff Sims was throwing to on his final play that he played. I have no idea. I don't know what he saw. I don't know what he saw on the throat of Malachi Coleman for the interception. So I, I think that's what has to make it very hard. Yeah. The only, the only excuse on the f- First pick he threw to Coleman was I think Coleman got held, um, but still it was a bad ball. The, the, the last one was I who knows. And then the the fumble, I mean, that's just going into a place where you're not supposed to go with the ball, where there's nothing to be gained except a disaster. And that's on the first play of the fourth quarter when you're leading the game 10 to 7. And the on defense, the field. yeah, defense steps up and does a great job, but it's still three points. Here you go on a platter uh, in a game where you just can't afford that. And I, I felt like, I mean, this, that play in itself was the one where you're just like, you're shaking your head. Like the, the redemption isn't coming here today, you know, because um, the, it had just 
they had just uh, had the timeout between quarters and Nebraska had this spirited huddle, you know, it's going to be like Illinois in the fourth quarter and guys and the defense is believing and they're like, this game's where we want it. And then it's like, Oh, here you go. And it's just, so this, it's just, uh, it's gotta be beyond frustrating. Um, you know, you can talk about who's not here and who, you know, would it be different? Like I've always wondered, like if Logan Smothers just were running around, like I think you could have done something for a season with him, but um, that's not the way it turned out. They put a lot on the, you know, Jeff Sims hope and uh, that just hasn't worked out. It's just one of those where it, it was, it's been a swing and a miss to this point. What, what did you guys uh, make of the other parts of the offense? I know it's hard to kind of parse through with a game like Saturday where you have all those turnovers, where it's such a quarterback disaster. But, um, Brunts, where, where are you at with Emmett Johnson based on what you saw on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's he's become more of a featured back. I mean, if you just look at the carries from that game, um, what do you have, 17, I think, is what he finished with, uh, you know, significantly more than the other backs. I mean, I, I think he's grown into a guy that's at least reliable. I think, you know, and he's got good vision for the most part. I think he runs a little bit bigger than he is. I, he's still, you know, only 190 pounds. I mean, he's not a really imposing guy uh, when you see him in post-game press conferences. Um, but, you know, he, he runs well. I think he's a conscientious kid. And I think, you know, given the situation, he can help you win. I mean, I, I think he's gotten better. And I, I think that's that, like I said earlier, I mean, I think that's been the frustrating part is I think you've seen steady development along the offensive line, given the issues that they, they've had injury wise. Um, you know, the wide rec- freshman wide receivers have, have somewhat flashed here and there, but they're learning on the job. I mean, I, I think for the most part, it's been a very small arrow up at a lot of spots on the offense and just not not at the quarterback spot. And that's just what's killing them right now. So. Yeah, I, I don't even know, too. I mean, everyone says, well, just run the ball more. I mean, they ran the ball over 60% of the time. I understand that runs happen at different points and things like that, and, and not all numbers are equal. But um, I, I don't know how much more you can kind of simplify things um, and expect to beat Big Ten defenses. So I, I think that's the other part of it, that they're kind of uh, they're kind of stuck right now, just hoping for better quarterback play. What uh, What else did you pick up from Rule on Monday? BC besides just the quarterback play or that third down play? Mm, I think, well, I mean, the O-line, I, I think he's definitely encouraged about the O-line and Justin Evans Jenkins, um, who we mentioned in passing earlier, I think has done a really nice job at left guard when you consider like he's only played in a few games in the big 10 and he's not like overly noticeable. And I mean that in a good way. It's not like you're like, Oh man, that's just a sore spot up front for him. And so, you know, that part I I think is, is good. I think you pointed out um, in the, your morning mash today, Schaefer about like Jalen Lloyd made a nice catch that wasn't really on target. And um, I, I think you're starting to see him gain some confidence um, with that stuff, but honestly, we, we covered a lot of what rule went over. It was definitely a lot of big picture conversation. It was a lot about the quarterbacks and just like how, who's available and how, how do you go from there without easy answers. And then just a lot of belief really was expressed in the process of how they're doing things and, uh, and the staff he has. And I go, going back to just double down on the point you made after I mentioned the talk about Satfield. I think we were all in agreement here. That wasn't going to be a big discussion point. 
Um, and it, but it's one of those that it carry, you know how it is around the state. Everybody cares so much about what's going on. And there's a loss like that where it hurts and somebody has got to be, uh, take more of the arrows. And, uh, he happened to be that guy this last week, I think. Um, and understandably people want to see a lot better offense around here, but rules point is they've got a lot of young guys. He thinks if they just keep, you know, punching at it, they're going to be better next year. I don't know if that's going to be the case or not, but that's what they believe. And they're going to stick with what they're doing. Do we, uh, uh, moving off of just, uh, the press conference stuff, do you think that, uh, do you think that there's bigger breakouts coming for some of Nebraska's defensive players as you kind of extrapolate things to the future? Like I was thinking a guy that I know BC has liked a lot, had a really nice game and, and, uh, I always get his name wrong. Javin Wright um, on on Saturday. I mean, do you do you see that there's more out there for some of these defensive players, or do you think that Tony White and and these defensive coaches are getting about the most that they can get from from some of the individuals they have on defense? Um, I I I I think they're getting close to about what they can right now out of guys, but there's always another notch, right? And um, you know, we've been asking for them to to get the to take the ball away. They did it. I mean, they 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 three they, times. They set up ten points, and then they saved their offense's bacon with the fump, force fumble inside the five after you know Maryland had it on their side of the field. You can't ask for any more than that as far in one specific game, as far as just being aggressive and getting some stuff done. Aside from Hartsaw getting beat on the one long ball, they really made Maryland piece together everything, and that's a pretty good offense. I know they were a little disjointed, and it seemed like they were sloppy with, some of the, you know, they took delay of games and had some weird penalties. But I, if if you had said going in, you're going to hold them to 13 points, you take that every day of the week, and you say you got to find a way to get 17, you know. And so um, I, I I just think Tony White's doing a heck of a job. I think they're going to have to bump up his salary and because uh, he's going to be a man that a lot of people are going to want. And um, that's just going to be the truth of it. And and I think rule wants those problems. He wants guy. He wants a staff where people are looking at it saying, I'd like this guy over here and that guy over there. He talked about that today. Some with some of the guys he's had. So um, Tony white has done an exceptional job in his first year in Lincoln. No, no question to me. All right. We'll finish up with this. Michael Bruns, you make the call. Who starts on Saturday? Uh, I'm going to say Chubba Purdy. I think I, – I think Bad groin and all? Bad groin and all. Um, I don't think we need to linger too much on another man's groin, but I think <laughs> – Certainly didn't need to phrase it as such. <laughs> no, did not. Um, but, no, I mean, I, I think from what I saw – I mean, I, I just don't know that you can trust Jeff Sims right now. And I think if if Purdy is healthy enough to start, I think he's probably going to be the guy. I mean, I, you know, if Harburg can bounce back or whatever, I mean, it, it seemed like Matt Rule was was uh, was not confident in the fact that Harburg was going to be back. They'll know tomorrow, I think, and have a pretty good sense of where that is. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, I just think you probably roll with Purdy if he's healthy. And, you know, as far as that goes and, and have Sims ready to go if you need him. But, I mean, I, I it just doesn't feel like there's a lot of great options right now, um, you know, between behind door number one, two or three. PC, what would you do? 
Um, I, I think Brunts might be right. Um, Sims is the most healthy, so it could be Jeff Sims. Um, Sim, I mean, the thing with Purdy, I don't think everybody realizes this after the game. He's had it. That groin injury goes back to the offseason, and it's sort of lingered, and they've been testing him every week on it. And it, it's pretty good, but as Rule pointed out in the post game Saturday, he is going to have to have something done soon. And I think it was it's a sooner than later situation with that surgery or whatever it is. Um, so he it, it's definitely a, a real deal that he's dealing with. But um, I would have said Sims, but man, those two play the fourth quarter when when those plays happened, that was like the tipping point because I'd still had this little bit of hope like that Sims was going to come back at some point this season and have that moment where, cause he does have some high level traits within him, like with his throwing arm and stuff he can do. And you're thinking like, man, he's played big games before at Georgia tech. He's, he's, he's done some things. You're thinking he's going to have that game. I don't know if you're willing to roll the dice and say, does he still have that possibility at Madison, Wisconsin on in prime time? I don't know. I'd probably go Purdy and see what happens early on. And, you know, maybe be ready to roll Sims in in the second quarter if it's not going too hot. But um, yeah, it's it's there's not an easy answer now, and that's 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 too bad because uh, this is a winnable game. It still is, but it, it that that makes it more difficult. Yeah, I don't know that there's a decision here that you're going to feel particularly more confident over anything else. I would probably lean uh, Jeff Sims because he is the healthier of the three. But as Brian said pretty well, I mean. It's hard to erase the memories of that fourth quarter uh, performance from Saturday. It's hard not to think about the Minnesota and the Colorado game and those performances. Uh, so far, you know, I think he has 11 turnovers, roughly 11 quarters of action. Um, so that's 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 Jeff Sims. Um, but if he's healthy and you can utilize his legs, yep. it's still more valuable to me than a guy with uh, a groin issue and quite frankly, hasn't been good uh, when he's been on the field. So I I would go with Jeff Sims over Purdy. I think the obvious thing here is Heineck Harburg probably isn't an option. I mean, yep. if he's dealing with any kind of ankle injury whatsoever, you're not putting him out there because of his arm. If you don't have his legs, if you don't have his ability to, to have a big play running, you cannot play Heinrich Harburg. And so I, I would assume um, he's probably unavailable on Saturday. I, I don't know that they're just going to come out and say that, uh, but I'd be pretty surprised if he ends up being the starter. I think if it was up to me, I'd probably go with Jeff Sims, but I said, I wouldn't feel, wouldn't feel particularly great about having to make that decision either way. I don't know that either of those gets me uh, particularly confident about the ability for the team to go score, let's say 16 points in Madison. I think 16 points can win that game. Uh, I don't know if Nebraska can score 16 points. So that's, that's where things are at right now here on Monday ahead of the Wisconsin game. Any final thoughts here as we close things out, Brunt? Uh No, I've got the uh, the 93 Rumble awaiting me, so I'll, uh, I'll be signing off soon. Is there, a, is there an end date for you? Like, is there a certain Rumble you'll get to and you're like, I don't need to see any more of these? Early 2000s. Okay. I, I think that, that, that was probably where I – where I, where I got off the bus. So nice. Yeah. yeah. BC, have you ever watched a Royal Rumble? No. Whenever you guys get talking about wrestling, I just have to sort of see myself to the corner <laughs> of the room. But there's a lot of YouTube <laughs> videos that you can watch. It's like one of your pastimes. I mean, 
No, I did. I mean, I enjoy like, as you would imagine, I'm very limited with the like to a certain era, like Andre the Giant documentaries. I'll I'll watch those and gobble them up. But that's a, that's about my starting and stopping point right there. All right. Well, uh, that concludes the first ever crossover professional wrestling uh, Nebraska Monday press conference podcast here for Husker 24-7. We promise you only Husker 24-7 and Husker content at Husker 24-7, though. So if you want more stuff from the press conference, if you want everything Matt Rule said, we have all of that at Husker247.com. Plus, plenty of coverage coming up. Basketball game on Monday night. Basketball podcast returns on Tuesday uh, big week for basketball. They got three yep. games, have an opportunity to keep adding, stacking wins uh, with their relatively light non-conference schedule. So we'll uh, dive into how that goes on Tuesday. That podcast will go up and uh, there's recruiting stuff. I have an Alex Mansky story that will run on Tuesday as well. I think that'll be Nebraska's top target for the 2025 class. I think people will want to read that. Uh, he did have a line in there about bowl practices. So go easy on him. This was said last week. Uh, he did not have the, you know, the hindsight of using Saturday's game. So uh, we'll we'll get into that when we get there. But otherwise, check everything out. We going on at Husker 24-7. So for Michael Bruns, Brian Christopherson, I'm Mike Shaver. We'll catch you next time.